Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right, welcome back. It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with John Horgan's vacay here and the political uproar over this. So is this legit for the Liberals to go after Horgan here on vacation, it appears, in Nova Scotia, judging by some of the social media posts? Or is this like a cheap shot? Your thoughts? Well, it's not a bad thing for the Liberals because it's basically their turf is is the turf that's on fire right now, right? Right. So in the interior of the province, that's the heartland of the BC Liberal voter base. So I don't blame them necessarily for doing that. On the other hand, I don't blame John Horgan for going on vacation. I mean, and he's, it's a working vacation. He's got his computer and his phone with him. He's in contact constantly with staff. He's getting briefed. If anything, it's a working vacation. And I think, uh, you know, 18 months into this thing, you want to take a break, take a break. Um, I don't begrudge him at all for taking this. But, again, I think he's exposed himself to the, you know, not unexpected criticism from, you know, Peter Millbar and uh, Jackie Taggart, uh, the MLAs who represent ridings that are literally under fire right now. But, you know, the Liberals don't necessarily have clean hands on this either. Back when they had premiers, uh, Christy Clark was known for her photo op, uh, constant photo ops. Uh, I don't I don't recall her ever getting ripped over being on a vacation no. during a public emergency, though. Because it was never an issue. She she did go on vacation, uh, so it's uh, well. Everyone's allowed to go on vacation. I, I guess the question is on the timing of this, and it's kind of like a classic political optics thing that we've seen acted out before. I mean, Ted Cruz. You and I sat here and talked about Ted mm-hmm. Cruz, the, uh, the the Texas senator who decided to go on vacation in Cancun while there was a, a winter storm that had knocked out all the power in Texas, and he got absolutely ripped. And you and I both sat here and ripped him for it. Yeah, right. But, but I, I, so how I is think, this different? I think it's significantly different. This is 18 months into a pandemic. Uh, mental health is a big issue for people. Uh, you need a break. You've taken vacation. Uh, I've taken three days off in 18 months. Well, I'm not uh, the premier, though. Yeah, but you're a, a talk show host. You know, you've got an audience. Uh, your uh, main voice in this pandemic. A lot of top media people are key people in this pandemic, and a lot of people haven't taken a lot of time off. And I think uh, it's again. What would people expect John Horgan to do if he was in his corner office 30 yards from here? And his office is right here. He wouldn't be doing anything that he's not doing right now. Well, I had someone from government say that precise thing to me this morning. What are you expecting to be out there, put on a pair of hobnail boots, and he's out there stamping out the fires himself? But let me play this clip here for you. This is Liberal MLA Peter Millibar, one of their kind of liberal attack dogs here on the opposition benches, going after Horgan here a short time ago. Have a listen. You know, if the Premier was so confident in this vacation plan... Why was it so hidden? Why, why did it take 10, 11 days for them to finally admit he wasn't even in the province? And they still don't actually acknowledge where he is in the country. Um, and, um, you know, that right there speaks volumes to, I think he knows in his own heart of hearts, uh, it was wrong to go. Okay, I think he's got a point there because last week the Liberals were raising the point, like, where is Horgan? How come we haven't heard from him? His absence was noted, mm-hmm. and this was before people had kind of discovered that he was on vacation. So does he well, have a point? not really. We used to get Premier's itineraries, but that stopped in about 1991. Uh, we haven't had an itinerary for a Premier for 30 years. Uh, it just doesn't happen. So 
We never knew when Gordon Campbell was on vacation. Or They're not Clark. obligated to disclose it. Well, you can uh, FOI. I, no, I just I inquired myself as a reporter, and this is the thing. Reporters do make inquiries, and I was told uh, Horgan's taking a couple weeks off in August. Uh, fine. Just for planning purposes, we're going to – but, again, he doesn't have a lot of news conferences. And I go back to when – the very beginning of this pandemic, March 2020, the last time I was in John Horgan's office physically, he told me, I'm not going to be the face of this thing. You're not going to see me in front of the cameras day in and day out. It's going to be the line ministers. It's going to be Adrian Dix. It's going to be Mike Farnworth, Dr. Bonnie Henry, Rob Fleming, who at that time was the education minister, Carol James, who was the finance minister. And six months later, he said, I'm sticking to this this uh, this style in contrast to Doug Ford and Jason Kenney, who are very much the face of what's going on in those provinces. And it hasn't worked out well for those two. The problem, I think, for Horgan, though, is I think the liberals have very effectively dragged him into this thing as the face of the of the province's response to these wildfires in liberal ridings in the interior where we just had like 70 structures burn down or be damaged in the Okanagan just in the last few days. This is the same guy had to be dragged kicking and screaming to bring in a public, uh, mm-hmm. a public state of emergency in the province. And the liberals have really stuck it to him in the interior. And I think well, it's, it's, it's potentially change. sick. Like what would have happened though? It like, doesn't change anything in terms of what the liberals need to do. The liberals don't need to uh, boost their vote in the interior. They need to boost their vote in Surrey and yeah, the suburbs. But if the tables were turned Right, and this you mentioned Christy Clark. If Christy Clark had been on vacation during an emergency, or Andrew Wilkinson, I mean, you know darn well that Horgan and the NDP would yeah, be which is why up I, don't, I don't. Which is why I don't blame the BC Liberals for raising this. It's a it's a nice issue for them. So, and Peter Milbar's got some pretty effective sound bites there. So it's it's good for the Liberals to raise it, but I'm not sure it washes necessarily with the public. I heard the the phone calls to uh, on the open line in the in the first half hour, and there yeah, was a lot was of split. support. It yeah, was, so it it's it's not a black and white issue. Okay, let's talk about the federal election here. Now, I thought it was interesting. I was getting a little deja vu here listening to Aaron O'Toole on the campaign trail uh, yesterday promise a GST holiday. Why does that sound familiar? Just in time for Christmas. It does sound familiar. Here's a listen. To, let's have a listen to that. Here's Aaron O'Toole. We will implement a month-long GST holiday this December. All purchases at retail stores will be tax-free for a month. Okay, so just in time for Christmas shopping, you don't have to pay the GST. Now, you, both of you and I both got kind of deja vu on this. Why is yeah. that? The Liberals in the last election campaign, the BC Liberals under Andrew Wilkinson promised to scrap the PST. thinking this Temporary. Was, this, yeah, this was going to be a game changer for them. It didn't yeah. change anything. And it's going to be interesting whether or not... This is a completely uh, bit of a Hail Mary or, uh, again, just lines flat because people aren't paying attention to politics as they normally would pre-pandemic. It's uh, the, the pandemic really shrinks the political discourse in the country. I remember getting a call from someone in the B.C. Liberal Party war room during the election last year provincially saying, like, giving me the heads up that tomorrow there's going to be this huge announcement and it's a game changer. It's going to change this entire election. And it was the announcement you just mentioned, Wilkinson saying they would scrap the PST, at least temporarily. And they thought that that would change that whole election o- no. overnight, and it did not. It just didn't well, do anything. Well, it's interesting. They, their post-game analysis of the VC Liberals revealed that even their own supporters didn't like that promise. So I wonder if the Conservatives, mm. again, uh, whether their own supporters are necessarily going to support something like that. It's, it seems a bit gimmicky to, to a lot of voters, I think, and a bit of a desperation aspect. When you start uh, talking about huge tax cuts like that, I think it, it may ring hollow with voters. Okay, Aaron O'Toole was on with Simi Sarah this morning, and Simi asked him an interesting question about whether uh, he would support businesses, private sector businesses, who want to decline service to people who are not vaccinated. Have a listen to what he had to say here. 
I think all provinces and private sector employees have the right to try and make their workplaces safe. Absolutely. And I, I do think they should also look at, at rapid tests and a whole range of things if they can provide reasonable accommodation. But, but let's, let's get away from the wedge style of Mr. Trudeau here. Uh, I've been fighting for vaccine access for over a year. In fact, I would make sure we're never late. Okay, interesting. He sees that he, he zeroed in on what we talked about yesterday, that the Liberals he, have got he, him here in a wedge issue. He framed it as a wedge issue himself. So, uh, again, what does that mean? Explain that. So a wedge issue is just basically an issue that neatly divides uh, two political parties on a, an issue that's very easy to understand, black and white, uh, often attached to a sort of a populist uh, type of issue. So now you see Trudeau out with a mandatory vaccination um, um, what are called vaccine mandates for federal workers. We don't know the nitty gritty. We don't know the details. Don't, it's not going to kick in until November, till after the election. So there's, there's a lot of uh, ifs about this. But it's a nice little wedge issue to drive because O'Toole represents a party that already has had some members in the party uh, cry out against vaccine mandates. And right, sure. even though 79% of the Insights West poll we had last night support vaccine mandates um you've got you know 82 percent of the population have been vaccinated with at least one dose you're pretty well sure those people would back a vaccine mandate but also the first part of that clip he talked about uh he supports uh, the rights of businesses to establish safe working environments for the workers which is great but then he says he wants to go to get away from these wedge issues which i think is an indication he knows is, is a little weak on that issue yeah he's trying to have it kind of both ways yeah. but trudeau's been a little wobbly on it too because at first it was like well we're going to have a, a, a lock, yeah. we'll, we'll have a, a rock solid uh, immunization requirement and then it's like well we don't want to punish people maybe there'll be exceptions the yeah. next day yeah so. like i say the fine print has not been revealed uh vaccine mandates are coming though uh i've got a piece out this week you know Vancouver Canucks released a statement last week saying they're seriously looking at this. Uh, and again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Canucks don't come in with a vaccine mandate. Okay, real quickly on the Massey Tunnel, I'm anticipating an announcement tomorrow of a, Nas a Massey Tunnel replacement project. Do you think they're going to go with an another tunnel or a bridge? I would say all signs point to a tunnel. The NDP was critical of the bridge when they were in opposition. you got the Mayor's Council supports the tunnel. Other than the B.C. Liberals, not a lot of support for the bridge. And now you've got an election campaign. What better time to access federal dollars from all parties than uh, an election campaign? Because one thing that hasn't been apparent is federal money for whatever replaces right. Massey Tunnel. And we've been waiting for that. And you're right. You're, your sources are indicating as early as tomorrow. Sounds like it's coming tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry is my guest. Phone lines are open. Star 9898 on your cell. Monty and Ashcroft. Hi, Monty. Good morning, gentlemen. I just wanted to tell Keith that, in my opinion, he's not often wrong, but he couldn't be more wrong on whether Horgan should be in B.C. or not, because it is the responsibility of every leader to go out to the communities to understand what the people are putting up with and to advocate for them. Every mayor in the Thompson-Nicola Regional District, except one, has had evacuation orders. They're begging for some help, and they're not getting it. 
Okay, thanks for the call, Keith. Well, even if he was here, I don't think he'd see John Horgan uh, go up on a public tour of some of these communities because he's made it clear right back to 2017. Just after he became premier, we had wildfires in 2017, state of emergency. Uh, and he famously had that scrum in the front of the, uh, the legislature where he quoted his brother, his late brother, who was a firefighter, saying, don't be that guy who comes up to a fire line and gets a photo op taken. And he made it clear right from the get-go that would be his style. He wasn't going to do a showy photo op by going to towns and pretending to bring relief and help, because that's not actually how it works. He leaves it in the hands of the experts. Well, I don't think it's a question of do people expect him to be out there actually holding a fire hose and trying to put out these fires himself, but I think it's a question of optics, whether he's on the ground and he's available and he's taking it seriously, and we've seen this before. I mean, remember when Scott Morrison there, the Prime Minister of Australia, when Australia was burning up with uh, wildfires mm -hmm. and he went on vacation to Hawaii, same thing like he just got ripped and they said they he said the same thing at the time that horgan's saying now i'm fully briefed i'm engaged every day what do you want me to do i'm not going to be putting the fires out here by myself i'm staying out of the but way if, if he's he got slaughtered if, he, if he'd gone somewhere other than hawaii i don't think it would have been an issue so if he had been on vacation in australia it would have been okay like horgan's yeah. in his own country yeah let's go to jim on the line in surrey hi jim Hey, guys, I, I think that horgan is in contact with the people he needs to talk to 24-7, cell phone, laptop. I don't think for a single second he's ignoring this problem. That's mm -hmm. just blowing it all out of proportion. And I'm, you know what I really think is, is that these people need as much help and these communities need as much help as possible. And that's what we need to con concentrate on is giving them that help, not making it sound like Horgan's ignoring it. I'm sure he's not. Okay, Jim, thank well, you for the call. Horgan is not part of the COVID-19 briefings, by and large. That's Adrian Dix and Bonnie Henry. He's not part of the forestry briefings, which we get three times a week, which is emergency management, which is Mike Farnworth, Katrina Conway, the forest minister, the head of the wildfire service, the head of emergency management BC. These are the people who are managing the wildfire service. It's not the premier's office, and that's been... the the, the case since the, the get-go, whether it's COVID or wildfires. It might be a different perspective, though, for someone who's been evacuated, who has had one of these terrifying trips out of the fire zone. We've seen some horrifying videos mm -hmm. of fires along the sides of highways or people who've had their, their homes burned down. And then you hear about this guy's on vacation in Nova Scotia and who knows, maybe having, having a, a lobster dinner. Then it's a different perspective. Like if you're sitting in the lower mainland, there's no smoke and everything's fine. You might think, we'll just leave the guy alone. But for someone in the interior where the wildfires are actually impacting and you, you might feel a bit different about it. Well, how does having John Horgan in his office 30 yards from here change that person's situation? Well, it's like I said, it's perception of it, right? Like people will look at it and say, this is the same guy who didn't want to call the public emergency in the first place or was slow to the, slow to the mark on it. Uh, the same government that tweeted the other day that, you know, wildfires are scary, but that's okay. I mean, there's been some bumbling and stumbling oh, here politically sure. on it. For sure. There's been some bad communications yeah. from this government, no okay. question. Okay. Simone in Surrey. Hi. Hi. Um, I couldn't disagree more with Keith on this one. I find the optics are atrocious, especially when he took us all into an election in the second wave of this pandemic, asking for, for a majority, asking for power, uh, asking for an opportunity to support us. And it wasn't like this was just any week. This was a week where we had another second heat wave. The air quality is atrocious. The fires are happening, and we're having a huge 
a surge in Delta variant where over 300 children got COVID just in this weekend alone. There is, I don't see, the only leadership I see is actually Mike Farnsworth, and even then, at best, what he's saying, he's asking people to not come. Where are the orders? Where's the mask mandate? I, I, it, it, I feel like, and he's gone to the one province in this Canada that actually um, is the safest because they actually follow COVID zero protocols. Okay, Simone, thank you for the call. Yeah, well, um, impassioned call is always good to hear. Uh, again, I got both sides of it. I mean, people are divided on it. Yeah, people are both sides of, in terms of the callers. But, uh, I mean, she raises an interesting point. We are in an extraordinary situation. We've got wildfires. We've got uh, spiking COVID-19 numbers uh, right across the country, right across the United States. Uh, but, again, we're 18 months into a pandemic. And for mental health reasons alone, I think it's okay to take some time off.